of fun for Mike Trout. Yeah. Casey <laughs> Lawrence, well, you can handle Evan Longoria. Let's see how you do with this guy. <laughs> and Shapiro said that the batting coach's job with veterans is basically just to remind them what they were doing when things are going well. Well, he's not doing a good job of it. <laughs> what are the odds of being presented with a microphone that Joe might go off script? Just one time to see what happens. And welcome to episode number 53 of Artificial Turf Wars, where the Jays have temporarily lost their MVP and we've lost our marbles. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined this week by Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I don't know if I can say more than that. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's a good summation, I think. But we'll, we'll get into details later. Uh, there's, there's injuries, there's lots of things to talk about. Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not thank our patrons uh, who have contributed to Patreon at www.com patreon.com slash turf pod um a very special thanks to dave church colleen evans and gideon turk and as well a big thank you goes out to oscar jorgen sandholt tom mully luke peterfield dino champlon and melissa dean you guys are uh, are our favorite listeners uh absolutely 100 and uh, we do appreciate the help you give us every month now that we've uh thanked the important folks out there we should move on to this the most important team in the universe the toronto blue jays (laughs) (laughs) who have done everything to reduce their level of interestingness over the first two weeks of the season it's been i i I could not have imagined it being this bad i agree 100 percent two and ten yeah, they said, like, what's the worst start this team's going to get off to? I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know. Five and seven, maybe, you know? Four, four and eight if it goes really bad. <laughs> uh, and they've done, they've done everything wrong. Now, mostly they haven't hit. But on two occasions where they have hit uh, some sort of decent amount, that the, the pitching has completely melted down on them. <laughs> Like the, the 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 first game where they uh, they scored four runs was it in the, the first inning or, or two innings you thought well maybe they're back in Tampa ah they, they got this one and then Francisco Liriano got an out and it went downhill from there in a ten eight loss yeah by the way but before you continue I love how it's like score like that they've hit like a decent amount other than that game you're just talking about they've never scored more than four runs in a loss i mean like the decent amount level has been reduced to such a low number and and that's it but on sunday the last game before we record this because we're recording before boston comes into town everyone pray um (laughs) the they scored four (laughs) runs which would have been enough to win them about what more than a third of their games almost a half of their games this year but they decided to score four runs in the 11-run blowout, where they lost someone else to injury, which I suppose is what we should talk about next. But uh, but also, like they scored those four runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings against the the garbage part of the, the Orioles bullpen. It was not no a good hitting performance. It no. was Stefan Crichton or Crichton and Vidal Nuno who pitched those game those <laughs> gave up those runs. Uh yeah, there really isn't a lot of good news there. This, this, I mean, 
Kevin Pillar hit a home run off of one of those seventh relievers or eighth relievers or however many the Orioles are carrying at the moment. Uh, this team certainly has not hit the long ball. Nope. Eric Thames has more home runs than the Blue Jays. I would have not objected to Eric Thames coming back, even when I thought he was a middling replacement, you know, backup outfielder. That would have been kind of cool. Now that I know he may actually be a real power threat, and April isn't over, so you don't know exactly what you have in Eric Thames until the league, you know, figures out what he's doing. So I'm not saying that Eric Thames is going to be the MVP, but knowing that he can hit seven home runs in two weeks, uh, yeah, I kind of miss him. <laughs> uh, uh, we also miss MVP, former MVP, Josh Donaldson, who's uh, who got back in the lineup. Do you think that was inadvisable to get back in the lineup, or do you think he was he was doomed regardless with his calf? I I, I think he was feeling fine enough that it made sense to put him back in the lineup, and then he just did something again to it. Rounding first base. That, yeah. That little hippity hop motion is not what you want. It's not what you want from a base runner. No. <laughs> no. And you don't want the, like, the extreme grimace as you're coming out of the box either. <laughs> you don't. Oh. Uh, so they're saying a couple of weeks for Donaldson, but they won't commit at this point. Well, two to four weeks was reported today. And, you know, given how. After being out, he was out for about a month the first time, right? February 18th, I think, was the date that they gave, that, that he actually initially got injured in the spring. And he didn't play toward, until the, at least the back half of March. So that one was about a month, too, and he re-injured it. So if anything, I would guess that it's going to be on the long end of this two to four months. Weeks. Weeks, weeks, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, two to four months would be horrible. Um, you never know. Yeah, and that's big, you know. Four weeks without him, it means four weeks of Darwin Barney and Chris Coughlin in the everyday lineup. And it's not like anybody but uh, Kendry's Morales has even come close to picking up any slack. That's the other. No, nobody else is hitting. I mean, it's uh, Kevin Pillar for Kevin Pillar is hitting okay. He's got an on-base percentage over 300, which is, you know, that's pretty good for Pillar. But nobody else is hitting. It's, It's bad. Um, so of course we should go down the other injuries prior to J Hap starting. We found out Aaron Sanchez had a blister flare up again on, I'm sorry, which finger is it? Does it matter which finger is it? It is. I'm pretty sure it's his middle finger. How appropriate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so he's gone for a diagnosis and, and they're even talking about doing something to the nail potentially. So he doesn't dig in and get the blister or, uh, Nothing simple. No. I mean, this is not, and it's not the first time he's had this issue. He had it at the end of spring. He had it last year for a start. You know, it's it becoming a bit of a chronic problem. And, was, you know, we saw with Rich Hill last year that blister problems can be bad, or as Jay Spence may remember from way back, Al Leiter had the same issue. But uh, they need to fix it because as a guy who requires, relies so heavily on spinning the ball, it's kind of important to be able to feel your fingertips. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I yeah, I any pitcher, but uh, I I don't know what what do you do about skin that blisters? You know, I uh, all the jokes about soaking it in various liquids, which 
may or may not be safe for work um obviously are not you know maybe a short-term solution if you've if you've burned yourself with a blister or something but uh, in the long run i mean rich hill is how old is rich hill is he 40 37 i think 37 like you would think if it was something you could figure out and eliminate a, a 37 year old pitcher would have had the solution already so we could be hearing about this for a long time hopefully not yeah. of course and hopefully not. then and then we also lost jay hap in the middle of a game my favorite time to lose a pitcher oh god i was so i was at that game yeah and jay hap was cruising he was just dominating the orioles and then i see the trainer come out it's like oh no no and then he walks out and it's like Jay Happ going to have an MRI on his elbow. I thought he was done for the year. I thought he was done for his entire contract with the team, basically. Not that you're jumping to the worst case possible conclusions lately, but... <laughs> well, no, but when you see a guy walk off the mound with an elbow injury, it's usually not a good thing. No. So apparently he just felt something pull. Uh, that still sounds yeah, horrible. Yeah, he's got minor inflammation is what they reported today. And hopefully he, they think he's going to need only missing a start or two, which <laughs> they, I mean, that's a lot different from missing, you know, 12 to 18 months with Tommy John surgery. Oh, absolutely. So would you like to go back in time with me for a minute? Sure. T 2012, June 12th, Toronto Blue Jays place right-handed pitcher Brandon Morrow on the 15-day disabled list, left oblique strain. <laughs> 2012, same day, Blue Jays were called. Do you remember who they were called to take Brandon Morrow's slot? I don't know. Was it Ramon Ortiz or something like that? Aaron Laffey. Aaron Laffey. <laughs> um, then on the 15th of June, 2012, Blue Jays placed uh, Kyle Drabeck on 15-day disabled list. Um, Tommy John. Uh, yeah, sprained right elbow. Um, and they were called. That's an interesting one. Who do you think they were called to replace? Kyle Drayback. Jeez, I don't know. Brett Cecil. Drew Hutches. Brett Cecil, okay. No, no, the day no, after that. Hutch, was, Hutch was the next guy, the yeah. The 16th, Hutch was placed on the 15-day disabled list with a sprained right elbow. Tommy uh, John. <laughs> yeah, and they were called Robert Coelho. Coelho? Co Amazing, from the 51s. Uh, a lot of names I'd forgotten when I went back traveling in time to the worst three-day stretch or <laughs> ever in Blue Jays starting rotation history. Uh, I'm just hoping we don't hear any other names in the next three days. Because although they, they're not as serious, obviously, the injuries, we, we've discussed at length. We can't afford to lose any starting pitchers. And we just lost two, for both for at least a start, maybe more, in one day, effectively. Come on. Yeah, it's so, a. This is a funny thing that happened. So that day happened to be Bringer of Rain Umbrella Day, and one of like the you know there's the famous bad luck things. One of them is opening umbrellas indoors, <laughs> <laughs> and then there were a lot of umbrellas being opened indoors during that game, and then, you know they lose two pitchers on that day. And uh, James and Tio tweeted out a funny thing. I don't know if you saw it. I missed. Like, I don't know. Maybe we should look at. We should take oh, a yes. little closer look at these promotions. <laughs> <laughs> Mirror and hammer giveaway day. Black cat giveaway day. Ladders all over the concourse. <laughs> uh, if you have enough bad luck, it cancels out and flips over to good luck, right? That's it's got to be how it works. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's really bad. I guess we're gonna see Matt Latos or Casey in Casey Lawrence would be my guess. Those two guys. 
assuming that they need to because they have no days off after this Boston series for the Angel series. They named in an article I was reading, it was MLB.com or the star or whoever, and they literally named every member of the triple a rotation as a possible replacement for her <laughs> i'm like well obviously that's not really you know that's it's not a lot of research you did there is it <laughs> these guys who are starting in triple a they could potentially be starting in, in uh in place of the people who got hurt thanks glad i couldn't have looked yeah. that up myself um it, so when mark Sparrow was at pitch talks uh last night we're recording this wednesday and he basically made it sound like one of the two will be Latos. These guys are going to be facing Mike Trout on the weekend. That's going to be fun. <laughs> fun for Mike Trout. Yeah. Casey <laughs> Lawrence, well, you could handle Evan Longoria. Let's see how you do with this guy. <laughs> yeah, and not just once or twice. If you're lucky, you'll see him three or four times. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Uh, they got to get through this Boston series first. So I, you wanted to touch on some good news here, I guess, um, for whatever reason. Fire away. What do we got? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, not, there's certainly not been a lot of it. But, but the good news is that the guys that are healthy, the starting pitchers, have thrown really well lately. And if you're hoping for some sort of rebound, the fact that these guys keep being as good as we hope that they would be, and in some cases even better, has to be encouraging, right? Yeah, I mean, Marcus Stroman, as much as he took a loss in the complete game, it, I mean, complete games, period, there were none last year, as we mentioned, I think, last time. Um, you know, that's about all you can ask out of a guy is, is to keep you in the game for nine innings, give the bullpen a rest. You know, it, anywhere, anywhere close to that is great. Uh, Estrada was getting pop-ups again. Yay! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they only played four games, I guess, since we did our last podcast. But... Mm. uh yeah, I mean, Liriano dominated the Orioles and lost two to one because Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> Hap was dominating the Orioles, and Sanchez had his blister issue, but he was pitching great his first time. And, and uh, like you said, Estrada, which they won that one two to one, you know, he shut them out through seven innings. I think it was. Mm. And, you know, and with, it, with the sorry, kind of results that you are looking for from Estrada, you're looking for soft contact in the air. And you started to see more of that again instead of the hard contact in the air that that sort of uh, bothered him the last time up. Yeah, and we I think we talked about this last time, too, that it was just sort of fluky. You know, he was leaving his change up up, and that's not something you're going to see from Marco Estrada. You know, he's, that's never been his problem was with, with the change up. And they hit all three home runs were on high change ups. And then he obviously fixed things his last time out and struck out eight, seven base runners over seven. And that's the guy we're used to seeing. Indeed. Um, and then you want to talk about uh, good old Joe Smith and the other Joe, be a genie. Yeah. The the two Joes <laughs> are, uh, they're, they're pitching well. I mean, we, we sort of, I think, expected this from be a genie based on, you know, just how last season ended. I think you'd agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was he, doing all the right things as that season came to a close. Yeah. And then, but Joe Smith came over, and there were some question marks about him. He was, you know, he the last couple of years he hasn't been as good as he was the previous four, and he had a bit of a home run problem last year. Well, those two guys have been absolutely dominant. Between them, they've given up two runs over fourteen and a third innings, and Joe Smith has eight strikeouts through five. 
and they really have solidified the lead into Roberto Osuna. I could, and I, I expect that one or both of them will pass Jason Grilly on the depth chart. Yeah, I can see that because Grilly still has the I can't face a left-hander problem that we've been on them about for a while. <laughs> yeah, and a bit of a home run problem. He's already given up two of them. Not that I don't love Grilly, but again, you can help a guy by putting him in a position to in a position to succeed. Yeah. So, but I mean, a bullpen like a, a seventh, eighth, ninth righties of Smith, Biagini, and Osuna is still pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. I love a side armor in the mix. I really do. And the Jays haven't yeah. really had a good one for ages. No. Like, I mean, the other guy who, sort of. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Luke, you, you just brought but, up. But he's doing really well. He's got eight strikeouts in four and two thirds. How many guys has he hit? <laughs> None. <laughs> See? Everything's good. Aaron Loop has not hit a batter. He has given up eight base runners in those four and two thirds, so it's not perfect. Uh, we're at the take what we can get point from the middle of the bullpen, aren't we? Yeah, only one run though. There you go. Um, so let's uh, shall we discuss the ugly truth about the season though, or the ugly reality, or however you want to put it. Uh, uh the problem with going two and ten to launch yourself into April. I think we have to. So, would you like to lead it off? So, it's less than 10% of the season. I understand that. But it's gone. So, you cannot get back four or five victories out of that part of the season. So, going forward, is there any reason, looking at the talent of this team, to assume that they are going to get four or five extra victories out of some 12-game section of the rest of the year? And I think, honestly, there isn't actually any reason to expect that. Because they're not a team that had, as I would put it, they're not a team that had 95 true talent wins and just blew five of those potential wins in this funk. And now they're in, what's left is like a 90-win team. They were like an 88, 86-win team if everything broke right, and they just frittered away five of those. And now they're a 500 team in my humble opinion, going forward. I think my opinion was a bit higher. I mean, I think if everything broke right, as you just said, they are probably a 92-93 win team. But, of course, that's not usually how baseball works. Mm-hmm. I, I just quickly ran it. It's like, if you think this team was an 89-win team, which is semi-reasonable, and that's what they needed to get in the postseason last year, well, now they need to play, like, a 94-win team the rest of the way. Without Donaldson without Happ and Sanchez for an unknown period of time, without J.P. Howell for an unknown period of time. I mean, it's possible, but it's really hard. Yeah. Now, there has been some talk of, all right, well, burn it down and rebuild it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'm not willing to concede that yet. That's obviously something you wait for, see where you actually are you know, at the end of June. If they go on a crazy hot streak, as has, I mean, it has happened. Teams have done mm-hmm. this. You know, if they go and win 16 of their next 19 games or something stupid like that, now, I, like I just said, I don't expect that because of all the injuries. But if they do that, then all this is moot. But if you get here and it's July 10th and you're three, four, five games under 500, I think you have to do it. I think you have, maybe not a full rebuild, but, you, but Liriano, Estrada, Batista, Smith, Howell, all of them gone. 
Yeah, I and I don't think you even have to be below 500 at that point. I think you have just look at your position in the division, and if you are behind three or four teams for that wild card spot at that point, yes, anything can happen. But if you want to get value going forward, hanging on to these guys, you know, doesn't make any sense because the guys you all just quoted are all gone after this year. So yeah, the reason I, I limited it to those guys because I mean, there's this talk that they should go full on rebuilds, trade Donaldson. Trade Hap, trade Sanchez, Osino, whatever. But, but I mean, a lot of those guys that we just talked about before, I mean, they might have been gone anyway at the end of the year. So if you can just get value for them and then retool next year with slightly, you know, you'll get a younger hitter instead of Bautista who looks 900 years old right now. You know? But you could come back and retool and go for it again next year without a full-on rebuild whilst at the same time getting assets for your pending free agents. Yeah, and the team does need to get younger regardless of what happens. Like, they are the oldest team in baseball, and they are unfortunately looking like the oldest team in baseball. That's surely not going to improve unless you, you know, fiddle with things, as you say, and retool it for next year. I mean, you the only old good teams are Yankee teams. <laughs> yeah, and again, we're not we're not conceding that this is definitely going to happen. But it's something that, I mean, a lot of people are just outright dismissing. It's like, oh, it's early. It's early. Like, come on. You guys are being stupid to talk about this. I'm like, well, as we said, it's not that early anymore. I mean, the hole is de- deep, and it's a big thing to climb out of. And I'm not saying sell everything in May. No, of course not. <laughs> we're not. That's not the cliff we're jumping off of here. But I would, I would not, I would not expect a miracle August like they had in 2015. Like that's just kind of silly, right? And there are not the prospects to trade for replacements at this point. Not that I can see without really handcuffing yourself for several years down the road. Yeah, exactly. And, right. you know, there, there's some tradable assets there that probably could get you some decent stuff. So so just for fun, I went and uh, I took the months for every team of uh, weighted runs created plus. So 100 is league average, above and below, and rank them in 2016. Because I was curious, people have been saying, oh, the Blue Jays, it's just been it's two weeks, it's a good hitting team, you know, they'll, they'll come back. So that, that leaves you with 180 months of production from the 30 teams times six months. Follow me so far? Yes. So in June... Of 2016, the Blue Jays were the fifth best team by WRC+. In July, they were the 25th best team. Uh, This is all of of the 180 months. In August, they were the 47th best month overall. And in September, they were 127th out of the 180 months. Ooh. (laughs) So, this is not going, quote-unquote, the right direction for the Blue Jays. No, it's really not. And it's not like they made a lot of changes to the offense. I mean, they brought in Morales and Pierce. Pierce has been terrible, but I expect that to get better. But, I mean, still have Tulo, Martin, Pilar, somehow Ryan Goins. <laughs> That's the 0 for 29 Devin Travis at one point. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a strange, long, strange trip, to say the least. Yeah. You know, 
It's like, uh, but that, now what we just said, like there's the, the encouragement that they could have a quick turnaround and maybe get some of those wins back. You know, like Devin Travis, I don't think you're expecting him to go this bad. I mean, he's hit 300 <laughs> for his career. He's hitting 105 with a 150 on base and a 105 slugging for an OPS plus of minus 27. <laughs> he broke the metric, folks. It's hard to do. But now one of the interesting things about that is he has 10 strikeouts in 40 plate appearances. That's not normal. You know, it's 25% strikeout rate. And this has been sort of the problem with these Blue Jays right now. I mean, it's not just that they're not getting the big hit. They're striking out at a high clip. They have the third highest strikeout rate in the American League as an offense. And that includes the Minnesota Twins who have Byron Buxton striking out in 60% of his at-bats. <laughs> there, there's Mr. Take a Step Back. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, it's like I, something's wrong there. Yeah, but, I, I don't know what's wrong with the Blue Jays, though. Like, like do we... My my curse of the the uh, the batting coach is he going to get the axe? Do you think just because of the downward spiral? I th- I mean look I it, it's hard to say that it's going to make a difference because you know I, as again I'm referring to his pitch talks so this was this came up and Shapiro said that the batting coach's job with veterans is basically just to remind them what they were doing when things are going well. Well, he's not doing a good job of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I expect he will get fired if this continues. Whether it makes a difference or not is just to get a change in there because whatever's happening right now is not working. No, no. And it again, it becomes it becomes firing him for psychological reasons, but maybe that's a good reason to fire him. Do you know what I mean? That- yeah, absolutely it is. If it, If it will spark your guys into doing something better, even if it's not actually a change, it's still a good change. Yeah. Strangely, way back in, was it 2008, Gene Tennis came back with Cito Gaston after Gibbons was fired the first time. Mm-hmm. And he did make the offense better. Not because he made them better hitters, but but he got them to think about hitting differently. And apparently that was the main problem was, you know, in that season, was that, that they were thinking too passively at that point, I think was the problem. They couldn't, you know, they get runners on base, but couldn't drive them in um, because nobody wanted to, to swing the bat. Um, and that's from Gene Tennis, who was not a guy who swung the bat very much in his career, if you know anything about his love of walks. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of mental reset maybe is, uh, you know, not yet, but is the justification for getting rid of uh, a hitting coach. It's just... A different message, not necessarily a better message. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Sorry, Brooke, we've <laughs> we've prematurely fired you. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna move away from the Blue Jays. I think we're gonna move to a do over. Oops! I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was. I got to say, there's a guy out in Pittsburgh who, at this moment, I'm sure wishes he could do it all over again. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, wait, if I I go on this podcast, I cannot not be suspended anymore? (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, We don't have a valid mechanism for for rescinding your suspension, but we'd love to talk to you, Mr. Starling Marte. Starling Marte got dinged for a uh, a steroid. Was it Nandrolone? I don't know. They all ended alone. Um... What can I, I basically don't do drugs, kids. 
And then especially don't do drugs if you're part of an employer mandated drug testing program. <laughs> you're probably going to get caught. Hmm. Interesting concept. <laughs> uh. So Nandrolone is an injectable steroid, old school, you know, over the counter, not a designer drug. Why do guys keep getting, it's like one or two per year, getting nailed for these? Well, yeah, last year it was, was denazolol or whatever, however the heck you say it. I can't even remember yeah. what it was, where it was like they had just introduced a new testing thing for it, where instead of being out of your body after a week, it was now two months. And all these eyes get dinged. I don't know how it got in my body. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> or tyrannable. I don't know how to say them. Well, they all sound the same. Um, yeah, this one, like you said, it's an injectable. In Starling Marte's statement, neglect and lack of knowledge have led me to this mistake with the high price to pay of being blah, blah, blah. Neglect. You stuck a needle in you. <laughs> Could have been vitamin B12. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, you Miguel Tejada? <laughs> I didn't ask. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when it comes right down to it, uh, at this point, with the way MLB has, the attitude it has taken, and the attitude the Players Association has come completely on, sort of almost onto the management side of things for cheaters, the risk-reward has to be some real strange calculation that goes on in a guy's head. Well, especially Starling Marte, who has a guaranteed contract. He signed a five-year extension a year ago. What are you worried about? Yeah. <laughs> so, so oh, just on the on the topic, well, you can give your do over, then I'm going to bring it back to this if you like. But, uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, start, Mr. Marte, if you'd like to come on the podcast and uh, state that you really didn't have any reason to take a banned substance in the first place, and probably would like your 80 games of payback, um. We can't do anything for you, but we'd still we'd still love to see you and talk to you. <laughs> All right, so you were talking about how players are coming over to the management side. So Rangers reliever, this after the news that just came out, Rangers reliever Jake Dykeman said in a tweet, quote, you get suspended, you make the minimum for the rest of your career. Take something they care about. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what? what is, man, no. Yeah, I don't think... Oh. <laughs> no. it just doesn't Can even you imagine like it's like you get the uh like the the angels it's like with, with Pujols' contract like hey albert uh, why don't you come up to the office for a drink <laughs> just... hey this drink tastes funny what's in it nothing it's just juice <laughs> <laughs> oh just juice you're horrible <laughs> <laughs> When they said juicing, I thought it was like Bobby Lane and just put it in the blender thingy and it was all natural. No, it was. <laughs> they didn't lie to me, but they misdirected. It wasn't fair. Exactly. At all. See? It's like we told him exactly what was in there. There was no miscommunication on our part. <laughs> uh, you know, I would not put it past the team to do worse things to save themselves $100 million. No. <laughs> At all. Oh my goodness. Uh, that's so wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he loses 80 games, playoff eligibility, and he really screws over the Pirates, who's hot hitting or hot prospect, Austin Meadows. 
not to be confused with a certain other Austin at a sport that we don't talk about, um, is like hitting like 120 in AAA right now. Yeah, he's just not ready. Indeed. Uh, so who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe the Blue Jays will swap bodies because they're blowing it all up. And this will be more relevant to a Blue Jays podcast. Okay, so uh, we did not get a lot of questions because we were recording early, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. We're going to do the questions that we did get. And uh, next week, uh, we promise to re- record with more fair warning about questions, I think. So question number one, Josh, what do we have? And I can do our question drop. No, I don't. So sad. Question drop. You want to hear the question drop? Fine. Yes, please. All right. <laughs> how... how... How long does it take for my thing to load? Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? I don't think we need to repeat the question. We, we just need to hear the question. <laughs> that, the is a, that, that drop is always so buggy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with it. <laughs> and it uh, also started to play again that time. Yeah, we'll clean it up in the mix. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> Maybe not. All right. Give me a question. All right. So we only have two because, as Greg said, we recorded these. We recorded this very early and asked for questions very late. So from Connor Moore at the Seahound, who is the greatest Canadian Blue Jay of all time? So can can I go with the? I'm not going to answer that question directly. Who is the first Canadian Blue Jay you remember in your life? Before we get to the greatest uh, Canadian Blue Jays. Rob Ducey. Uh, Denny Boucher. My, he didn't pitch when I was old enough to watch baseball. I'm a little older, but yes, Denny Boucher <laughs> was. And then he got traded to Montreal, which I thought was really weird. It was like, is he only allowed to play in Canada? Is that how it works? Yeah. Um, he wasn't good for either team, apparently. <sighs> greatest Canadian Blue Jay. I mean, he might be playing for the team right now, I guess. We're looking at at uh, Russell Martin. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the answer. I mean, you could say that like Paul Quantrill pitched for the team for a long time, or that you know Rob Butler got a hit in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's got to be Martin. Yeah, the bar is kind of low for Canadians, as it were. Well, Matt Stairs is the other argument, I guess. You could argue that Stairs had a different kind of greatness. Yeah, screw it. It's stairs. Any guy who just goes up and tries to hit home runs every at bat is the greatest ever. In case of emergency, use stairs. <laughs> Best t-shirt I've ever seen for a postseason. Um, okay, the, we had another question, which uh, you wanted to you wanted to frame up for me in a way yeah. that I could possibly answer. So the the question that came in was, it was a little tough to answer. It's this came from Jed at. Jeez, I'm, I'm going to try to read that. B-E-A-U-X. <laughs> no, X-H-E-A-U-D-O-I-L. Zodoil. I don't know. Um, so I guess I did try. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> early likely landing spots for deadline deals you'd like to see if there's a rebuild. Big topic, I know, but throwing it out. We can't answer that. I mean, it's like there's no idea of knowing. You have to see what teams are in contention, et cetera. The better question is, like, given the names that we think are likely to go if they get to that point, Lariano, Estrada, Bautista, and say Joe Smith, what kind of return do you think you're looking at for, for a group like that? 
Um, I think if you're looking at a deadline deal for Liriano and Liriano's pitching like he's pitched for the Blue Jays so far, I think you could get a a major league ready prospect, not a not a star, but I think you could get someone who could fill a role for you. Um, for Bautista, I don't think you're going to get much at all. I think you're going to get a lottery ticket because he's old and uh, he's not going to be used, I don't think, as an everyday player by somebody who picks him up. They're going to be try and use him, you know, as a part of a, a DH slash whatever, whatever need they have. Um, who was the other one? I've forgotten now. Estrada. Estrada. Estrada is intriguing, isn't he? Um, yes, he is. I don't know what you get for Estrada. I don't. I don't think they're looking for major league talent. Obviously, if they're if they're blowing it up, I think they're looking for guys on the cusp of being thing, in the majors. This, this isn't blowing it up. This is trading your pending free agents. Yeah, um, I think you could get another starter. Uh, do you think someone will go starter for starter with Estrada? Someone who or oh. a failed starter? Uh. Probably not. I mean, you are probably looking at lower prospects, guys in like double A. And the interesting thing to compare it to is you get there. I mean, the guys that have been traded recently, like Rich Hill or Mike Leak. You know, they they've gotten major league caliber prospects, not stars, but guys that will be useful. And if Estrada keeps pitching the way he is, I think that's pretty much the cat where he's going to fall into. Mm-hmm. So there's hope. And you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with you on Bautista, though. I mean, obviously, if Bautista's hitting the way he's hitting now, then, yeah, no one's going to want him. But if he comes back and starts hitting, you know, at the level he was at last year or a little better, that's a starting player. No one's trading for that guy to put them on their bench. I, I just, I don't know that many other teams would play Jose Bautista in the outfield at the moment. I guess that's my, my big question mark. The Blue Jays play him out there because he's Blue Jay and... He has looked better. He's moving better. He's definitely throwing better. I mean, we talked about that in the last podcast. So I think there's still a viable major league outfielder there, especially if you stick him in left field where the standard for defense is so much lower. Hmm. Fair. I, I, I could, yeah. So I could easily see a team wanting that player and giving you something useful in return rather than like a lottery ticket, which is kind of like what the Jays gave up for Upton last year. I think it would be a much better return than that. Only time will tell. But <laughs> the difference is he's a 10 and five player, so he'd have total control over where he goes, which makes it a lot harder. Yeah. I guess he's a 10 and five player, even though he technically declared free agency. Yeah, but he never left the team. Mm-hmm. Like he, it was like last year, Encarnacion was a 10 and five player, even though technically he got traded to Oakland and, <laughs> and then was released or non-tender by Oakland and signed back with the Blue Jays because he never played a game for another team. It didn't count as him leaving. I would love to be the person who wrote that language into the contract. Seriously. <laughs> All right. So we, we're going to get to our weird item of the week, I think, as our last uh, kick of the can here. Yeah. The Blue Jays, not Blue Jays, Major League Baseball has talked about possibly putting microphones on umpires in order to explain the obtuse replay rulings that they get from New York. <laughs> I feel like the law of unintended consequences might kick in here. <laughs> I feel like... I it's, oh, go ahead. 
It's definitely going to kick in. <laughs> um, most people, I don't know if everybody knows, but Joe West uh, has a couple of country albums out. Country Joe West. Yeah, uh, actual country music. So what are the odds of being presented with a microphone that Joe might go off script? Just one time to see what happens. <laughs> 90 percent it's not my number um but also it's like this whole stuff about pace of play and all that the replays take long enough as it is <laughs> you're gonna add a guy coming out so the reason we determined that this one oh, no, no, like, come on oh um yeah it's not really like face masking on the defense uh it's either no. either we we decided he was there first and not last, or we agree that he was there first, not la or last, not first, or we couldn't tell, so we had to leave it like it was. Those are literally how, only three replays. Right, exactly. So how is that not accomplished by just saying confirmed, or, uh, you know, it's like overturned, or just in inconclusive? Like, how? just put a sign on the screen. Like, you don't need to have a guy come out and talk to people. I also get, I would just crack up because some of these umpires with the way they talk to players and everything else, is, you could just see him going, he's safe. And another thing that I think all of you should know. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, <laughs> quick, turn the mic off. Um, I would actually like to hear the mic for those umpires while they're waiting for the answer from New York. Not after the fact. I just like to hear them talking to one another about whatever it is you talk about while you're waiting for New York to make some strange determination. Oh, yeah. By the way, I can't wait till Adrian Hernandez gets on the mic. <laughs> screw, screw country Joe West. Angel <laughs> Hernandez will start arguing with somebody just, just for the sake of it. He's arguing with his compatriot on the other end of the line. <laughs> he's No, he's arguing with the person. I said I wanted this volume set at six, not seven. <laughs> You're done. You're out of here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, it's only a matter of time before the umpires eject a member of the replay crew. <laughs> Which is another umpire. <laughs> no, I meant the poor guy who has the, the TV and the headphones. Oh, yeah, that You're guy. gone. Get out of here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, do you have a final thought before we wrap up this strange <laughs> show? <laughs> Just some roster update notes. Okay. Uh, so, because of the injuries, Danny Barnes and Ty Kelly have been called up in the short term. What is Ty Happy's Kelly on do? the DL. He's an infielder. All right. Good for him. And, and uh, Sanchez did have part of his middle finger removed surgically by Dr. Glenn Goldstein in Kansas City. He's supposed to resume throwing in a couple days. That just sounds so wrong. Yeah. A little bit, just, just a little bit of your finger. You'll be fine. Is it going to grow <laughs> back? We hope not. <laughs> okay. Oh, in that spirit, uh, I will give you a friendly reminder that uh, we do have a Patreon. As mentioned off the top of the show, it is www.patreon.com slash turfpod. Uh, we would love to uh, have you drop by, see different ways we're hoping to make the show better, and if you can afford to contribute a little bit to us, uh, we would really appreciate it. That said, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. 
And this has been the Weird and Wonderful Weird and Wonderful Artificial Turf Wars episode number 53. We'll see you next week. <laughs>